beautiful people. And welcome to the very first episode of The Creative Myth, brought to you by us, Sejana and Ben. We are husband and wife duo, nomadic adventure and elopement photographers, always trying to grow our understanding of this incredible, endlessly shifting planet. And its incredible inhabitants. But first and foremost, we are creatives to the core. And as creatives, our livelihoods depend on our ability to adapt, connect, and create. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, hey, me too, then welcome. You're going to love it here. If you're not thinking that, then stick around also. Because this wee audio journey of discovery, this podcast is all about busting the myth that only some of us are creative, that creativity is the birthright of the few, because it ain't. We don't fully know where the future of this podcast is going to take us, but so far, we have planned this series of interviews with interesting and creative people. They don't necessarily have to be at the top of their game, but they will definitely be worth deconstructing, i.e. some remarkable creative individuals unfolding their thoughts on creativity and entrepreneurship, all the while attempting to distill that elusive spark they carry within them. Every now and then, just the two of us will jump in on an episode to discuss what we have learned, give our two cents and basically talk about our aha moments, which will, we hope, create the noise of ideas in your head. Our goal is to empower and reawaken within you the almost uniquely human quality known as creativity. Now, yes, we are photographers, but that doesn't mean this is a photography channel. In fact, we have some amazing people lined up, ready to get crammed into your ear holes. From restaurant owners to fashion designers. So stay tuned and mush whatever button you need to to make sure you're following along. Because you don't want to end up some pale, shriveled up and dusky husk of your former creative self. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Today, Ben and I are sitting down, just the two of us, to discuss the history of creativity in the world and in our lives. So, in a couple of minutes, when we are done with telling you about our creative histories and how creativity rocked our boat, we'll go on to discuss a bunch of cool stuff that we discovered while researching this episode about how creativity as a concept started and evolved. Because what better way to start a podcast on creativity and myths than way, way back at the beginning. So let's kick it off. The secret of genius is to carry the spirit of the child into old age, which means never losing your enthusiasm. Aldous Huxley. My relationship with creativity starts with my name. My name is Sergina and it means creation. Growing up, one, it was a unique name. And two, it was a name a lot of people asked me the meaning of. So this word, creativity and creation, entered my lexicon from a very young age. I thought it was a superpower. I could use it to fight bad things in life. I would feel angry, sad, alone. And I would dance, write a poem or act in front of the mirror. And I would feel better. So in this way, for me, creativity was my inner self communicating with my outer world. It was and, mm, you know, it kind of still is a relationship you would have with your best friend. My emotions inform my creativity. It is informed by self-exploration. For me, I've always known I wanted to do something creative as a career. Still, it was my grandmother, Nolene Healy, who first gave me the confidence and knowledge I needed to achieve it. She led by example. 
A high school art teacher, she never stopped creating art in just about every media imaginable. Paint, clay, pastel, pencil, wire, wool. She used to say, it's not your role as an artist to please others. Your job is to create what you love and what you need to create every day. And what she means by that was that if you're your true self, don't follow the crowds and practice what you love, then you can lead a challenging and rewarding life. So deep was her creative passion that near the end of her life, when she couldn't be as prolific in her art, her creativity and her life's energy were undoubtedly intertwined. Even as she neared the end and her body was failing her, she was sketching every day, quite literally until the day she died. She was always an awakening for that creative spark in me. She showed me how you could share that spark with others and open up to what it means to be human. The exchange of ideas like a game of telephone influencing new people and leading to all new sparks, that's something fundamentally human. And that's how I know each and every one of us can call ourselves creatives. And because of this giant game of telephone, we have found that the more we experience, the more we travel, meet new and interesting people, read words of wisdom from those who have lived, loved and created before us, the more we can cram into this existence the more we have to draw from when we create. So the way that we choose to live our lives, you know, our jobs, family, social connections, hobbies and interests, these all affect what, when and how we create. Our creativity is 100% the product of our environment and we absolutely need to curate that environment to properly feed our creative thoughts. Binge watching Netflix and working 8 to 5 every day at something you don't like is, um, we'd wager, a good way to go creatively rusty. Throughout future episodes of this podcast, we'll keep delving into personal stories to give you a little more context. Yes, the context is important to make sense of how and why we are planning to take you on this journey. For now, let's delve into the history of creativity. Creativity, first and foremost, is a vehicle of self-expression, and this self-expression is no new trend. Creative expression has been the core of human spirit since way, way back. Yep. Researchers have now found drawings from caves in South Africa from 77,000 BC. What the heck? I'm marveling both at our artistic ancestors and those rad researchers finding those cool things for us to learn from. So the most important thing to remember here is that creativity, even with its current surge of interest from around the world in studying, understanding and cultivating it, is not a new phenomenon. In fact, it is very akin to being human-like. Even in Greek philosophy, Ben, I found that while those like Plato were dead set on calling creativity a divine phenomenon, not only divinely inspired, but literally works of art created because they have been breathed into by the muses. Okay, Ben, are you ready to hear all the early philosophical research in one breath? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, sure. Let's do this thing. <laughs> okay. Hey, how about I lay down a fat beat for you in the meantime? <laughs> okay. All right. All if right. you can do it, we're going to lay down a fat new. beat. All right. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Trying something new on air. On the first podcast. Yep. <laughs> Please don't leave us. All right. You ready? Mm. Okay. It's not that fat. 
Plato argues the inspiration is kind of madness. Aristotle characterized artistic work as rational activity that is goal-directed. For all the crazy views Aristotle had about women, he was remarkably forward-thinking when it came to creative thinking. On the other hand, Immanuel Kant didn't think creativity can be learned or taught and is mysterious even to those who are experiencing it and linked creativity to the imagination. Schopenhauer stressed the ability to get lost in one's work on top of just amazing technical skill and Nietzsche talked about the fine balance between losing oneself in restraint to temper the chaos with order and form. Eastern philosophers had different ideas about creativity where the value of the work created provides its ability for you to be able to connect with yourself and hence the nature and that was essential. But they all still believed as Confucius said I am not an originator, but a transmitter. Oh, chill, Sajna. <laughs> well done. That was epic. Okay, so I hope you guys caught all of that. If you did not, you might want to go back and re-listen because that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and there Some were multiple threads. pretty neat threads. information there. <laughs> multiple threads. Yeah, it was a little bit of, bit of cheating, but we'll, we'll give that to you because I feel uh, pregnancy is going to affect that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, maybe one day soon we can try that. Again, okay, yeah. all right. Right. See you on another battlefield. Yeah, maybe one day. Right. Okay, moving on. So, the resistance against recognizing art as creativity, seen in the preceding centuries, crumbled in the 19th. Art now gained recognition as being creative in the modern sense, meaning it was no longer thought of as some bolt of lightning from the gods zapping your brain into a eureka moment. Instead, it was slowly becoming understood that creativity and the ability to problem-solve was something hardwired within us, programmed deep in our source code. But jumping back, Ben, Christianity's effect on this word, creation, which was then reserved for creation ex nihilo? I don't know how to speak Latin. Nihilio? Nihilio? Something like that. Somebody will correct us. What does that mean? Which meant from nothing, was inaccessible to humans, making it a mysterious act. Whoa. The Enlightenment period didn't accept the concept of mystery. As late as the 17th century of all the fields that used creativity, it was still considered that a poet is the only one who creates a new, quote, other arts merely imitate and copy but do not create. What? Right? This is said by the Polish poet Majik, who possibly used the word creation in terms of human activity recognizably for the first time. During the Romantic era that started around 1700s, um, well, actually 1770s to be exact, poets discussed if idleness was good or was it action that leads to discovery? Peace, quiet and solitude brings it forth or putting pen to paper and engaging in an activity. It's actually so wonderful to see and read how we are standing on the shoulders of these giants who spent their time discussing, understanding, and unraveling this freaking beautiful concept. At the start of the 20th century, concepts long applied to art were tweaked to include all the sciences as well. The word creativity began to take on this new meaning. From something that once meant a divine act to something that described humans getting out there and solving problems for themselves or making art for others to enjoy. But, you know, Ben, what was remarkable in my research was that even though we talk about creativity these days nonstop, 
not only in the fields of art, but also in business and science. Surprisingly, little philosophical work was done on creativity between the 1950 to 2000. It's only in the last 10 years or so that there has been a revival of interest in that topic. Actually, wait, it is 2021, isn't it? Yeah. Whoa. So in the last 20 years, I'm still living in 2010. <laughs> I think like <laughs> half of us are millennials, eh? A science dude named J.P. Guilford kicked it all off in 1950 with an address to the American Psychological Association. After that, studying creativity kind of became the in thing, and a bunch of other scholars joined in the effort to explore and demystify it in the years that followed. Yep, psychology has been a field that, since the 1950s, has been masterfully researching creativity. Many psychologists stress the pervasiveness of myths about creativity in our culture. Some of these myths stem from philosophers, as we discussed before, such as Plato's divine inspiration account. As it became established as a discipline, people began to realize that creativity depends on its being practiced, and more and more emphasis was put on developing practical techniques and new ways to enhance and even force creativity out of us. It was during this time that a guy named Alex Osborne invented brainstorming. You might have heard of that one. <laughs> then later, Edward de Bono became famous with his theory of lateral thinking. Today, we know a darn sight more than we did back in the 50s. We know that humans aren't the only creative beings on planet Earth, with some primates, dolphins, and birds being recognized as creative problem solvers in their own right. Ooh. I know, how cool is that? It is so cool. And it was so awesome while we were doing research, watching videos and re reading research articles about these cool Yeah, man, features. watching a crow, like, we use tools. It's so cool, like, snapping a twig and, like, yeah. I forgot what we watched about that underwater. Was it a fish that was building a nest? An octopus. No, it was a fish. It was building... It was trying to impress its um, mate. Oh, it's mate. I, I think you came... It was came... cleaning up everything. Oh, that's right. He made a little... Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Very cool. I forgot everything. I'll blame the pregnancy brain. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. Carry on, Ben. Yeah, where, where, where were we? <laughs> All right, okay. However, we humans are still the most innovative and creative species by a long way. I mean, students are now taught the creative process in design school to give them a shortcut to unique and creative outcomes. But there is no shortcut to creativity. The only way is to go back to where we started from, to be childlike, to see new things, revel in their wonder, and allow them to be absorbed rather than dismiss them outrightly. We have so many ideas as adults that we outrightly reject. And I hear and see them in our entrepreneurial circles all the time, even right. in our own discussions. Mm. After all, ideas are the starting point. As Picasso said, all children are artists. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up. More on this topic, though, in future episodes. Carry on, Ben. <laughs> Recently, it's been shown that we are most creative when we are less focused on the critical task of staying alive. I mean, when we're focused on where the next meal is coming from or how we're going to pay the bills, it makes sense that we spend less time looking for creative outlets or creative ways to solve our issues. This is because from a purely survival standpoint, tried and true beats out, hmm, I wonder if this will work, whether you're planting your next crop or trying not to lose your job. Knowing this and 
understanding how it applies to you as an entrepreneur or a creative or a creative entrepreneur is really important because it shows that you have to take the time to set up a workflow that will give your brain a chance to think outside the square. Right. I mean, if you're doing everything from admin to accounting to copywriting to web design to marketing by yourself, you're just not going to have time to flourish as a creative. So make sure you identify your weak spots and outsource the crap out of them. Have someone better than you working with you so that you can grow as a creative mind. Here, 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 here. Top tip. It's actually fascinating that it took us so long to figure out that we need free time to create because the way the society has progressed in the past 200 years directly corresponds to the rise of free time beginning to manifest in people's life. Meaning opportunity is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. So if creativity is built in trade, then that means that yes, every one of us is creative and can become more creative. How cool is that? That's so freaking rad. So cool. I know guys. You've got it in you. And we are here with the creative myth, this podcast, to drill this idea in your heads through facts, through stories, through science, anecdotes, and affirmations. Loosely, I would say creativity is an association of previously unassociated concepts. But over the coming episodes, we will be dispelling myths that surround creativity and better acquaint you with this wonderful power that we all have within us. Our society is experiencing a sharp rise in the demand for creative peeps and in the desire to be creative. So now's our time, people. We need to get out there and create all sorts of wonderful and weird things and stuff. Oh, and I want to jump in and say you can reach us via our socials on Instagram at Tinted Photography, which is our day creative job. Yeah. And at When Light Falls Coaching to send in your requests for the topics concerning creativity, your burning questions and your thoughts. And when you do, I'll be sitting here going like, what? How cool are you? How cool indeed. Were you trying to show me how to do that? Or was that actually chiming in for the podcast? <laughs> All righty. Okay, that's cool. All right. We'll see you next time, guys, when we sit down and speak with Jacob Loafman, the master tinkerer and a superb creative voice in the wedding photography industry. And until that time, stay creative. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Peace out, y'all.